Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt, and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts, or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you, and on with the show. When I was seven, I started a new school, having lived for three years in the UK, and I had enormous problems going to this school. Everything felt big and alien. I was afraid, but I didn't know why. I went to the sick bay a lot, and I cried a lot. Looking back now, I can definitely identify that I was experiencing anxiety for the first time. So when I see children going through something similar, I really feel for them. Thankfully, now we know more about anxiety, particularly in children, than we did then. Maggie Dent is a parenting educator, and she's here today to talk to us about anxiety in kids and how we can help them. Hi, Maggie. How are you? Siobhan. Gosh, you poor little chicken. I know, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And it's funny. I mean, anxiety is one of those things. It's such an alien experience. And I remember, I mean, I've I moved on, but at the time it was it was a real divide between my life in mm. the UK and my life in Australia. And Mum was completely um, just sideswiped by it because she said, yeah. "When I was in the UK, I loved primary school." Yes. And I think one of the things that we have to throw out right now is that anxiety is actually not a bad thing. It's getting a really bad rap at the moment. So what was happening there was your your basically your you know your amygdala, your threat center is actually registering a significant threat because you had multi-levels of change happening at the same time. Everybody gets wobbly when we have change. Everybody. So we have to kind of normalize it. And that's one of the biggest things that we're trying to get that message across at the moment. And developmentally, children are, um, are susceptible to all sorts of anxious things as their prefrontal grows and they get better at these things. Um, and also one of the things around young children, I've read research that talks about situational distress, um, which happens when we change. So, you know, that can be a relationship breakdown or a death of a parent, but can be changing classrooms, changing teachers, changing schools, um, when children really just want everything to stay the same. You see? And so you can't have it the same. So our job as parents is to identify it's okay to feel these ways and what those sorts of feelings. Um, and we're going to help you get through those feelings until this becomes your new normal. So I just explained or described mm. what I was like when um, I first felt anxiety as a child. And yes, there's lots of crying, there's lots of feeling sick. Um, but some of those things can happen randomly for children and have absolutely no significance attached to them apart from the fact that they feel a bit ill or that they're a bit sad. Um, How can we spot that our child is anxious? Oh, golly, the list is quite long. Um, And there are all those common sorts of things. Kids who complain of tummy aches, um, children who are struggling with sleeping patterns or eating patterns. It's pretty similar to growing ups as well. The children who do tend up in the nurses' quarters a lot. Um, the child who becomes very clingy um, and melts down over things, they can all be signs. But one of the things that um, I discovered when I was at a, a really huge international conference in 2012 in uh, Vancouver in Canada when it a child specialist was up, was saying things like oppositional behaviour, aggression, silliness, um, perfectionism, um, and just basically 
um, running away and being really revolting, um, ADHD kind of symptoms can all absolutely be signs that our children are struggling are struggling with anxiety. So again, it's that was where we started to unplug. Oh, it's not just simple those simple signs. So I think, um, and my gut instinct again is is we know that sometimes um, children when they're overloaded, and I've talked to you about this before, that their little nervous systems can get overloaded by life and our busyness. That's where I wrote my first book was very much saying heck, hang on, what are we doing to kids' lives? Because if a child is, is is exhausted by the time they get to school, they've got nothing in the tank. So they're going to manifest absolutely that amygdala is going to fire off going, holy heck, we're not good here. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've talked about the pushdown of formalized learning. I've talked about the absence of play and I've talked about busy lives and overscheduled childhoods and I've talked about overstimulation. They all kind of incrementally can impact our children. So it's not always one thing. So I guess that's why I keep talking about where are the calmness pockets in your home? You know, where are the times that you model, oh, golly, mummy needs to just have a little chill on the couch. (laughs) Although dads do that a lot better than mummies because mummies (laughs) don't really relax, do they? So can you sort of see we need to own it. There there are times us grown-ups have moments where we feel anxious and our tummy might feel this. And so I think, you know, in that conversation, how we get to be brave and how we, you know, once again, it's not there's something wrong with your child. That's another concept I set. There's something, obviously, I've done something wrong. There are a few different reasons why your child might have a higher chance of becoming anxious. Um, sometimes it is temperament, our sensitive children. I'm sorry, genetics has a little bit of a contributor, but it isn't necessarily. So biology doesn't always equal destination. Um, a, a significant traumatic event um, that can happen. Sometimes children with um, a few developmental vulnerabilities that pile together can mean that they, they might get a little bit more anxious than a child without that. Um, and, you know, basically we can learn it <laughs> of some people. So it's a mixture of all those sorts of things. And that's why I'm always promoting, please calm down, mummy. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Maggie Dent. She's a parenting educator and author. And we're talking about anxiety in children. And um, Maggie was just explaining the ways we can tell if a child is anxious and also um, what can feed into anxiety and talking about finding calm moments in our lives and role modeling how to be calm. One thing that I do struggle with is when I see um, a child experiencing something similar to a panic attack. So uh, my niece is very anxious and if her mum's not there and I can, I look at her face and the little tears in her eyes and I'm straight back to where I was. And the thing was at that time, nothing could calm me except for my own mother. (laughs) How can we support children, uh, particularly if they might be experiencing anxiety at school when we're not there? Yeah. Well, one of the biggest triggers, of course, for our children is separation anxiety is they don't really want to be separated from the safest, beautiful people who love them, which is the other reason why they're for often in, in your bed. At night, because yes. if they're overloaded and their nervous system's overloaded, the, the better they're going to be able to fall asleep is near you. So, you know, I keep reassuring you that's actually developmentally quite quite healthy because they're actually having a need met. Um, one of the things that we can work with, and this is exactly what um, um, you can find online as well with some of the people I recommend enormously, is that um, we, we put it out there as a challenge, It may have happened once, so we put it out there and say, okay, so this is what the problem can be, that sometimes you might feel a really sudden surge of anxiety because um, your nervous system's overloaded and I'm not there. 
So let's work out a couple of other things that might work in that window. And I really, really love to teach parents um, and educators the, the tickle spot, firmly high up on the back. If you can warm your hands and rub them really warm together and place them on that high up on the back, it often creates, starts creating the serotonin that is needed to counteract all the cortisol or else tickle with a number eight sideways and just keeps it, oh, can I do this for a few moments and see if we And then we can, once again, can we breathe? Because we know that once the oxygen gets in, it overtakes that. So in other words, not just one strategy. And what we do is practice it at home. And then one of the other interesting things that's come up recently, um, you know, I love it when my grandchildren become my guinea pigs. Um, <laughs> so what we know is that anxiety is being triggered by the primitive brain, which means the, the upstairs brain isn't having much input. Um, so as they're about to melt down into those places, if we're able to connect and get them into the front part of their brain, um, you can often change it. You know, once again, the brain just follows attention. So again, if I'm able to suddenly be an absolutely ridiculous human being right then, um, or start singing really loudly, or start flapping, I'm a bird, I'm a bird, <laughs> or start chanting, the, the child's attention is switched quite quickly. Um, with my younger ones, um, you know, when they were sort of 18 months to, to two and that meltdown was about to happen, um, we'd quite often gone out at night time and said goodnight to the birdies. So I'd go, oh my, I think there's some birdies on the veranda. And I'd go out. By the time I'm out there, that that is completely circumvented the flooding of cortisol from that fear place because I've flipped her into the front of the brain. So you can see what your job is now as, as a parent is let's find the strategies that help my child and let's talk to them about this anxiety is a normal thing, but it's something that happens to me. It isn't me. And that's the best way to do it at different times. Then you work with your educators the same. But if we can also spot it when it's starting to peak, you see, that's the other thing. And I, it was very interesting. I took one of my um, beautiful grandies off to the day, to her daycare today. And, of course, it's a different group now. They've gone into an older group. And so mummy and I had a big chat. Now, which way is this going to work best? Because she wanted me to come. But if both of us went in, we thought it might overload the wanting to stay with both of us. You know, we had to nut it out a little bit to, to set up a strategy in place. And um, and we did it. We did it well. She was absolutely. She was holding on to me, of course, but she's got a gorgeous educator. If you have a child who's who's anxious, you need to make sure you've got an educator who's aware that as soon as their next go-to growing-up person has lovingly connected to them, you are easing that transition beautifully. And over she came, and I thank her to bits, Bree. You won't be listening because you're at work, um, but you made that transition perfectly, and she talks about her at home. So it's finding another person to be my secondary attachment person in the environment where I'm not going to be. And, I mean, those are all the strategies we can use while it's actually hmm. happening. Um, but, of course, prevention is better than cure in that yes. respect. Um, how can we, I think you touched on it before when you talked about creating calm pockets and being role models to our kids. What else can we do in a preventative way to help our children yeah. deal with anxiety? Well, all of these pathways, so our stress regulating systems are laid down in the first five years, just like we learn to talk, we learn to walk, we learn to get stressed. Um, and that's why, you know, I'm such an advocate for us making sure we have moments where we're not scheduling children where they're able to have times where where nothing's happening. 
Yeah, and and children are already quite mindful. We muck up their mindfulness, and, and, and I mean, you mentioned it this morning how how our, our beautiful ones we're trying to get them out the door, and quite often there's a random poo. Um, <laughs> yes. That's a mindful moment, um, <laughs> uh, or that moment that I'm in my bedroom and I'm, I'm I'm doing some imaginary play with two of my toys. I don't want to get in the car. Do you know? So there are times I encourage us to recognise that. Um, if you can create more of those pockets that are unhurried, you tend to help that brain create these pathways that aren't like 10-lane highways to hurry. Um, you know, and, and I, I think the other one is um, absolutely choosing to have some calm down time, having beautiful nature sounds or beautiful music in your home that's actually quite low actually helps to soothe. Uh, we're mainly water. So it actually works on the water in the body to just soothe it down. That there are times that we have everything off because it's quiet time. This is the calm time we have. Uh, go slow Saturdays or Sundays if you're not into endless amounts of sport where everyone stays in their PJs till lunchtime. And we're just going to go slow. We're going to eat breakfast slow. We might even, you know, hang, we might even watch a, a really great movie we've watched 55,000 times together. So when we create these pockets, they actually counteract the busy, crazy world that we live in. And I do encourage you to do deep breathing in front of your children. Three breaths a lot. Take, get in the car before you go into the crazy traffic. Is big breaths. And then we're, we're present because your children will start taking deep breaths. And they'll also say to you some days, Mummy, take three deep breaths. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say all those interrupted meditation times yes. where my children are speaking to me and I'm trying yeah. to explain, no, meditation is quiet yeah. time. And I mean, look, Kindling's got such great ones, online, free, accessible, those sorts of opportunities to lay down with your children and let them listen to a calming audio. Um, seriously, you know, you're not going to get in front as a mother to live left home and we can build pathways of calmness in our children and we need them as well. And so remember, there is a free one for mummies on my website because that would be helpful. Brilliant. Maggie, thank you so much for coming in. <laughs> thank you, Siobhan. Bree. Bree. That's Maggie Dent. She's an author and parenting educator. And Maggie has lots of resources on her website, just like that meditation she mentioned. So um, we'll pop a link up to those on ours. Just head to kindling.com.au. 